Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Sarah Reardon. She is a mom, wife, Saints fan, and wannabe Yoki. Along with all those wonderful things, she is a doctor of physical therapy, board certified pelvic health physical therapist, specializing in the treatment of pelvic floor muscle dysfunction in men and women and the owner of NOLA Pelvic Health in her hometown of New Orleans, Louisiana, and the founder of The Vagina Whisperer, an online resource for pelvic health education and wellness sessions to help individuals worldwide. We're so excited to have her. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Hey, Laurel. Hey, Danny. Thanks for having me. Yay. I'm excited. I might have to get in a session. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Can you start by telling a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, so I um, am 38. I live in New Orleans, which is where I grew up. And I actually left when I was 17 years old to go to college and grad school. And Katrina, Hurricane Katrina actually happened in, um, when I was in grad school. So I was not able to return. And I ended up in Austin and then Dallas, Texas for about 12 years. And then we just moved back to New Orleans three years ago with my two boys and my husband. So it's been really amazing to be back. Um, I love being here. And after moving here, I found that there wasn't a clinic that offered pelvic floor physical therapy to the community. And so I started it. I was really, you know, just coming in at a time where I needed some flexibility with two young kids and wanted to continue to work in this field. So I've been really lucky to follow my passion and still be able to have some flexibility to raise my kids. Yes. And we are going to get into all the goodness of pelvic floor therapy and pelvic floor health towards the end of this. Um, Also shout out to New Orleans. My husband's from there. So I claim it. Um, (laughs) Maybe he's a Saints fan too. I love it. (laughs) Um, But I mean, you know, we always tell our, our storytellers who have multiple children, you can share both stories, you can share one, however you want, in whatever order. Uh, but can you start off by telling us about your pregnancy or pregnancies? So I was um, 32 when I was pregnant with my first son, and it was exciting. We were really fortunate to not have any challenges when we uh, got pregnant, but I had been a pelvic floor therapist for probably eight years before having my son and had worked with women during pregnancy and postpartum. And I think the biggest shock for me during pregnancy was how hard it was. I was so tired. I was, you know, having back pain and, you know, getting exhausted and having nausea. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that how, I don't want to say bad, but how challenging this time period is. And I've been working with pregnant women for, you know, almost a decade. So now, my pregnancy went was fairly uncomplicated during the first one. I did have a um, a couple little issues, like I had a big cold, um, and then I had what's called pups, which is um, kind of a, an itchy syndrome of your skin towards the very end, which magically goes away within like 24 hours after giving birth. Um, and then I also had placenta previa up until almost the very end. So, you know, there were some times where I had a a, a vision of how I wanted my birth to look, which was unmedicated, which was low intervention. And there was a time where I really had to wrap my head around if this could go a different direction, if my baby is breached or if I have placenta previa and I I do have to schedule cesarean birth. So there was some work I kind of physically and mentally had to do to to get prepared for that. And 
Um, but fortunately, everything went really well, and I went into labor um, spontaneously at 38 and a half weeks uh, of pregnancy. I, I do, I think um, for us, for people who like are in the work of reproductive health, um, I think we sometimes have this, like we're solid in our knowledge about what birth and what stuff should look like. So when it's our turn, we're like, oh. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I feel like it changed the way I could empathize with my my patients, you know, so it really made it not that I was not as good of a therapist prior to, to becoming a mother uh, or giving birth, but really just was able to say, okay, wow, I've been through this. These are some things. So even just with the respect of like, I used to say, do all these exercises and do this. And then when I was pregnant, I was like, nobody's doing that. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing that, you know? So it's like, you're just trying to get through the day to get home and take that nap. So it just was a much more kind of realistic view of, um, what was, you know, people were going through birthing people and then just adjusting my expectations as a medical provider of what I was asking them to do. That is a big um, kind of epiphany as you're working and you're just like, hey, I know how to do these workouts and I know the benefits, but when can I actually do them? Like, right. you know, is it before I go to work? You know, when my energy is at a different level, but Am I going to be late to work because I'm something? You know what I mean? So you have to kind of prioritize even the knowledge that you do have if you're going to be able to utilize it at all. Right, right. I mean, even just taking bathroom breaks as a healthcare provider, you don't have time to do that. And so well, you're like, well, you know, you're thinking every other you know person who's giving birth has gone through this. And like, I'm really not getting it until I'm going through it as well. So as you were preparing for your, your birth, um, how did you prepare and were the things that you did, things you thought about, or did it just come as issues arose? Um, no, I definitely prepared. I, and one of the reasons I felt so strongly about preparing was, you know, I, as a pelvic floor physical therapist, I tend to work with um, individuals who have challenges, who have problems, who have pelvic floor issues. So, you know, I always thought I want to try to do as much as I can on the preventative side. And so I definitely, um, knew that going a more low intervention route minimized my risk of certain maybe injuries or outcomes. And I also had, a, I decided to have a doula. I knew the research on doulas. Um, I knew I was in this field, but I also felt like I needed, it was my first rodeo. So I wanted somebody who had been through this before um, to help support myself and my partner. So I, you know, hired a doula. Um, I had a, a wonderful physician who saw me through the first half of my pregnancy. And then when I was 21 weeks pregnant, I asked her, you know, what are your thoughts on doulas? And she said, I, I feel like they just get in the way in the delivery room. So I switched doctors at 21 weeks, which was um, not what I was anticipating, but I definitely wanted to make sure I had a team that was advocating my preferences and supportive of at least what my vision was. If it didn't go that way, then fine. But I didn't want, you know, naysayers before anything had even happened. And then I read a lot. I, you know, I read um, Ina May's Guide to Childbirth, which was like the Bible for me for giving birth. Um, I read a book called uh, A Natural Birth in a Hospital, which went through a lot of just kind of more medical jargon to help me kind of do, understand what to expect and the questions I'd be asked. And then I also took some, um, did some hypnobirthing, like um, audio courses and, and whatnot. So just a lot. I mean, for you know, if it's your first pregnancy, you have the time to prepare. I think for future ones, you have less time. 
but you know, I was really glad that I, I was able to do all of that. And, and then I went and had a, a, a really amazing birth. Um, I, you know, at 38 and a half weeks, I labored at home for a really long time, almost too long. I called my doula and she, I was not able to get in touch with her, which was a bit unfortunate. So my husband was the stand-in doula and I, um, you know, went all the way 10 centimeters at home, which I didn't know I was 10 centimeters. And then we raced to the hospital at 4 a.m. And, you know, minutes later had my son. So it was, um, it was crazy and wild, but it was, you know, not the calm, natural or unmedicated birth I had hoped for, but it was, you know, kind of, it happened the way it happened. And it, it, all in all, it it was really amazing. That's awesome. (laughs) And I'm so glad your husband was able to stand in and support you. Um, But wow. I mean, I think as doulas, our biggest fear is not hearing or like being able to answer the call when you're called um so that that sucks for for everybody (laughs) it did suck you know it did suck and I think that um I'll, I'll be real honest with you that I had this weird intuition beforehand and I said to my doula should I because I knew how busy she was and I said should I get another backup doula's number in case I can't reach you? And she said, you'll be able to reach me. I'll be there. And she, and she did it. And I knew kind of, and that's when I really started as a mother was like, I need to start one advocating for myself better and two trust my instincts. And that if I knew I needed a backup person to trust what I thought I needed versus somebody telling me, no, this is what you're going to need. So I think we learn as we go and, you know, ultimately everything did go fine um, you know, people were like, how did you wait at home for so long? And you didn't know. I was like, I didn't know. I hadn't, that's why I had a doula. I thought somebody was going to tell me when to go and nobody told me. And so, you know, it, it worked out and, um, it was wild. Um, and I ended up getting a different doula for my second one. So it was no knock against doulas. It was just like, that wasn't the right match for me at the time. That's a good point. It wasn't the right match for me at the time. Um, and we do talk about that. Like, yes, it's great to have doula support. Um, but like with anything, including any of your birth support team, making sure they match with what you need, who you are, because um, there's a doula. Every doula works in their own way. And sometimes we're not going to be the same match. Like you'll, you'll you know, do your interviews or whatever. And sometimes as a doula, we'll feel like, mm, maybe not. And then some, and the other, and the person will be like, yes, we want to go with you. And we're like, actually, I don't know. And vice versa. <laughs> it's interesting to hear okay. that sound. Yeah, that's interesting to hear that side of, you know, it's also kind of has to be a match for you as well. So, um, and, you know, as a pelvic floor physical therapist, I tell people, like, I might not be the right physical therapist for you, but let me help you find someone who is. Like, I'm not going to jive with everybody. So, uh, yeah, I I think the same thing with doulas. Um, You know, it it definitely kind of does have to be a good match of, um, you know, support person and then the birthing person as well. Um, So... You got to 10 centimeters, you get to the hospital, you said 20 minutes, and then you were, and then four. Four minutes? Yeah. Like, so we were racing to the hospital. I mean, my husband is lovely and patient and calm, but he's also a little slow. So I was like, 
in labor, going through transition at home and having no idea, like you read about transition in the books, you're like, okay, this is what it is. But when you were going through it, you're, you have no ability to say, oh, this is transition. So I'm like laboring on the toilet. It's getting so severe. We're calling the doctor, trying to get in touch with the doula. And I'm, he's like, I think we need to go. And I was like, we need to go. And he's like, okay, let me go pull the car out. And then he like pulls the car halfway out. And then he comes in to check on me. I'm like, get the car to the door. I'm literally crawling, like army crawling to the front door to get in the car. And I'm lying on my side in the back because I can't sit. And we race to the hospital at 4 a.m. I spill out of the car in the driveway and they have, and I'm like screaming and again, still in transition and there's so much pressure down there. And then I, he runs inside and they're like, they get a wheelchair, wheel me out. I'm on my knees and they're like racing me down the hallway of the labor unit. And I'm like, I'm either giving birth or I'm about to take the biggest shit of my life. And they're like, okay. And then they lay me on the bed and they say, we need to check you. And they say, you know, a nurse says, she's three plus. I'm going, I'm only three centimeters. And she's like, no, you're three plus station. The baby's coming now. And then I literally just pushed three times and they coached me to push really slowly. And, and then the baby was there and it was all just so fast and crazy. I always love the, like, you have someone who's coming in clearly there and they're like, we need to check you. <laughs> right, right, right. And if you're three plus, <laughs> baby's crowning. Crowning, yes. Just like crowning. I mean, <laughs> yes, I mean, correct. There you could see the hair. My husband's like, oh, okay, that's the head, you know? And so, um, yeah. I mean, then they're, they're on the microphones and they're calling all the, you know, or the phones and they're calling all the doctors and then people rush in. I don't even know if there was a doctor in the room. It could have just been a nurse who birthed the baby. I don't even know. The nurses were amazing. They coached me as, you know, I, I didn't even push. I just breathed. Contractions were just, I was breathing, baby was coming and they, you know, and then I ended up having no tear at zero. And then, then the baby was there. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this just happened. You know? So it's, um, it was a whirlwind. It was a total whirlwind, but amazing at the same time. Right. Let's back it up a little bit. <laughs> How did you know you were even in labor? Like so I started? Would, you know, I should have known that day because, you know, my husband and I, we were renting a home at the time and we decided to like sweep the garage, cut the grass, change the light bulbs, and which we had never done. And that's nesting apparently. So, um, but we had gone for a really long walk that day and then just started doing some housework. And then I just remember feeling like abdominal cramps. And then I said, huh. And in my head I said, huh, I wonder if this is what it is. And I almost didn't say anything to him for a long time because I just was like, let me just monitor this and feel it out. And they kept happening every, you know, every so often, I don't even know how often, for like an hour and a half. And then I told him, I think something's happening around like 7 p.m. that night. And then he proceeded to walk behind me in the house everywhere that I went with his arms out, like he was going to catch something that fell out of me. And I was like, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, um, Let me just be. And so then we watched a movie and I could feel them. And then around 9 p.m., I tried to start contacting the doula and say, hey, I think something's going on. And then um, he went to sleep. I started laying on a heating pad. I had a little contraction timer on my phone. 
And then I just started timing them and they, then they started becoming more consistent. Well, like every 10 minutes, every six minutes over the next several hours. I think I, it's so funny that first time around when you're like, you're in anticipation of something happening. And as soon as anything happens, partners are like on high alert. (laughs) Okay. All right. What do we, (laughs) yes. And then, you know, after he stopped following me around, um, there's a book called the birth partner by Penny Simpkin. And I had that and I had given it to him three months before to read. And then I literally walk into the bedroom and he's like reading the book while I'm in labor. And I was like, it's a little late. <laughs> so, but he was wonderful. I mean, he, he was wonderful. So there's, um, he said like, you know, tell your friends I'm taking new doula clients or whatever. So, but he's, um, he was great. He, he did it for me almost both times and he was awesome. So credit to him. Oh, I love that. And love that book. And it's so funny out when um, clients do ask, like, do you have recommendations for a book? I always recommend that one. But I'm like, this section. Yes. Just this section they need yeah. to focus on. <laughs> At yes. least. Just print out the pages and hand it to them as a pamphlet instead of the whole book. Now I know. Like, okay, chapter one. Just get through chapter one. Right. Something like that. Yes. I totally agree. That's a great tip. Uh... Um, so what was postpartum like? Harder than I could have ever expected. You know, I think when I, a lot of clients that I work with in the pelvic health world, they come in, we talk about their birth. I see them for postpartum visits, whether it's six weeks postpartum or six years postpartum. And we always talk about kind of their birth experience and childbirth. And for me, my birth was amazing. I mean, I was up and walking the day I was home within two days. I, I felt great. Honestly, I barely used ice. I didn't, everything was amazing. I was like incredibly just proud of my body and amazed at what I felt like we could do as women. And then breastfeeding was just harder than I could have ever imagined. I had prepared so much for childbirth and didn't know that I needed to prepare for breastfeeding as well. I didn't know I needed to take a class or read a book I had just seen friends and my sister kind of just breastfeed very easily. And um, they didn't tell me that I needed to take anything. And my doctor didn't say take this course. So I just didn't know to do anything. And so, you know, the first month was lactation consultants and a tongue tie clip and bottle feeding and pumping. And it was, um, it was just kind of horrible to be honest with you. And that's when I really started it resonating with me. I was like, oh man, postpartum support is, like non-existent. I mean, I couldn't find anybody to call. I didn't know who to contact. I was getting the runaround from lactation consultant at the hospital. The, my OB was like, oh, we don't do this. The pediatrician was like, oh, we don't do this. And I'm like, how do I feed my baby? Um, and it was really discouraging. It was really hard as a new mom, first time mom, to feel like I'm failing. You know, I had this I like to say I'm a little bit on the crunchy side that I had this vision of, you know, having this baby on the boob and doing it till they were two. And, and I'm like, I'm on, you know, day two and I have no idea what I'm doing. And so, um, that was hard. It's still, you know, it's hard. It's still hard to think about. And I, if I were to have another kid, I would still almost worry. Um, I know more now, but I know that the, the lack of the support isn't always there. So, um, you know, the first month was hard. The other part that was hard about postpartum. So physically I was in a pretty good place. I think um, with breastfeeding, I struggled. Um, I struggled just kind of mentally with like what just happened. I feel like I don't have independence. I'm sleep deprived. I, who do I call for help? I mean, you're texting girlfriends and like, it just, you just felt so confusing and overwhelming. 
Um, you're desperately searching online for how to manage breastfeeding, how to do sleep schedules, all this stuff. And then, you know, my husband and I struggled. We, we just had the like, you know, wind like knocked out of our sails. It was like, we were disconnected. We didn't know how to communicate about the baby, who did what, who was doing more. We just struggled for, you know, a solid three months. And then we started hitting our stride. So, um, yeah, it was just a lot of unexpected. And I don't know what was, if it would have been better to know about to expect those things or if it was like everybody just kind of has to go through that process. But I hate to think that we feel like we have to be hazed into parenthood. I wish that um, it was a smoother transition with more resources and it was a universally, I don't know, like um, more supported event in life. <laughs> You know, versus like the box is checked, baby's here, good luck. That is literally what it feels like. <laughs> you, you stay in the hospital, they do all the things. Um, I feel like nobody tells you, like you're, you're, I feel like the, the care providers will come in and be like, okay, here, you might cry, your hormones are going to be adjusting, go on your way. <laughs> and you're like, but I have so many questions. Like yeah. I have a whole human now, like what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like you said, not, there's like not one central place on where to get answers. There's like eight different places that you have to go to get an answer or maybe get another referral or maybe get this. And there's just not like, I just need support. Can somebody just support? Yeah. Me? I feel like you need a quarterback to like manage the team, you know, but right. you are supposed to be the quarterback yet. You're like the whole team, you know, you're doing everything. You're keeping the team up alive and, and, and you're trying to take care of yourself and recover. I mean, it's just a completely overwhelming time. And it's funny. They may say something like, you know, you might cry. I'm like, okay. I was like sobbing in the closet and I was like, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> I'm like, I just took a shit with a kid on my lap. Like, is that what you were talking about? Things are going to be different. Like there was just no, and then I would call my best friend, like bless her heart. She's like, oh, it's totally normal. Like you're always going to like have a kid in the bathroom. And I was like, what? I mean, there's just all these things that you just didn't know. We're like, yep, yeah, that's par for the course. So um, it's just very interesting. Yes. And I, I mean, that was one of the things that we really wanted to address here on this, this on our, on the podcast was what does postpartum look like? because we don't talk about it. And I think that that's, um, you know, as birthing people, I think sometimes we don't talk about the dark and the icky because we're like, we don't want to mess up anybody else's thought process about what it is. And I think there's, you know, we think there's a time and a place for everything, but we need to talk about it so that you're not surprised when you're like, I have no more privacy. <laughs> yeah. Or me and my partner aren't, connecting because it is it's a it is it knocks the wind out of your sails for sure because you had this life you had these routines you had this rhythm that now has been interrupted and you need to figure out how to create this new one while also as a birthing person trying to heal and feed and do all the other things it's a lot it's a lot <laughs> And it's interesting because I, you know, the, a lot of the, the women who I'm working with now during COVID, um, they're actually like, I'm actually doing okay because life is slower. They're not as taxed physically during pregnancy. 
their postpartum is less stressful because we don't have as many visitors. We don't have these expectations. We don't, you know, all of these things. And it's actually kind of serving some people really. I mean, there's a, yes, a grander scale of concern and worry. Um, However, I think that the life changes that we've had to make to accommodate to that of just slowing down and um, being socially distant or whatever that may be, working a little bit less is, is been helpful in some ways. It's we talk about postpartum in the hospitals. Um, it makes me think of like all the videos and like the around the clock <laughs> channel they have for the new moms and families and stuff. And it's like, nobody's absorbing that. Like, I know that it seems like it's like a checkbox, like, talk about postpartum. <laughs> like, right, that's right. That's not it. That's I'm not literally it. in a birthing haze. I have no idea wh- what I'm doing right now. <laughs> right, right. And you're still there. You know, right. I've, I've researched this in other countries that they have nurses that come to your home. And like, that's when you need the help. Exactly. You're, I need somebody to check on me day three, day five, day seven, you know? So. Right. Yeah, even not just from a physical healing perspective, but emotionally, psychologically, with lactation, everything. Right, right, right. In-home care, um, individualized, that follows you for at least a year, like a whole, <laughs> a whole setup yeah. to actually care for and support you with that transition. And I know like postpartum doulas and full-spectrum doulas, like that's the role. And it's still like, it's interesting trying to... Um, not promotes, not the word I'm looking for, but bring to attention to people the importance of that and the importance of postpartum planning. Like in our, our birth support that we provide, we also with our, with our families talk about, okay, what's the plan for postpartum? Who's cooking meals? Do you have a meal train? Who's coming to help you with dishes? And if you have multiples, dropping the other kid off. Like you, as much prep as you do for birth, and for preparing for a baby, you have to do that same work for what that initial postpartum is going to look like. Yeah. We don't think about it. I mean, I was like, okay, what outfit do I want to go home from the hospital in? What do I dress the baby in for the car ride home? You know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, exactly. I mean, that's great. But then like, what about once you get home? So I think that that's great. And you know, the thing is, is like, I, I am such a huge supporter of doulas, obviously for myself, for my clients. Um, but it's not covered care in most states. And that's really frustrating. And I really, I know there's been some legislation that was pre-COVID about, you know, doulas in Louisiana being part of, you know, in, um, insured providers so that, you know, more women could have access to them. And I think that that really needs to be, I don't know how you feel as doulas, but I think, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to understand why it's not because it's such essential services they are such essential services for birthing persons and their families when we talk about postpartum too and we think about the changes to a woman's body and the things that some women are not privy to knowing what happened right um a lot of times we see women have had their babies and we see their little fupa and we're like oh you know (laughs) like you always know like if a woman has kind of already had a child right and so um, with your work, um, we know that you're a public floor therapist. And for those who don't know what that is, can you describe your work and yeah. how you provide support? 
Absolutely. So um, as a pelvic floor physical therapist, you know, physical therapists work with muscles and tissues and nerves in your body. And I happen to work with the muscles and tissues and nerves in the pelvic region of the body. So those muscles support your pelvic organs, like your bladder and your bowels. Um, they also support the uterus, which holds a growing fetus during pregnancy. And by support, I mean like mechanically support. These muscles are like a hammock at the bottom of your pelvis that kind of just keep everything lifted throughout the day. And then, you know, as baby grows, those muscles and ligaments can kind of continue to support um, all of those structures above. And then that same muscle also has the openings to the vagina and then the openings where urine exits the body and where poop exits the body. So these muscles are kind of like working all throughout the day to keep pee and poop in, to support your pelvic organs. And then those muscles relax for urination, bowel movements, vaginal birth, um, vaginal intercourse. So we need these muscles to be able to contract and we need these muscles to be able to relax. So, you know, I see, you know, individuals of all ages from the ages of 18 to 90. But um, I really started working more recently, much more in the, the pregnancy and postpartum space, because I feel like that's where our bodies go through such a huge transformation. And two things happen as an outcome. One, we have major changes. And we don't know, we think that that's just normal. Like that's just how our new normal is and we're just supposed to deal with them. Or two, we have major changes and we want help for them, but we don't know where to get help. And so as a pelvic floor physical therapist, um, if people, if, you know, after giving birth, someone has pain. So that may be pain from a cesarean birth. They have some scar tissue in the abdominals that is contributing to painful sex, to constipation, to bladder urgency or um, bladder discomfort or even just pain with wearing pants or doing exercise. I mean, there's numbness and all those things that go along with a cesarean scar. Um, they may have pain vaginally from a perineal tear or an episiotomy, um, vaginal dryness from low estrogen when you're breastfeeding or lactating, um, or they may have weakness, which causes urinary leakage or what we call pelvic organ prolapse or you know fecal leakage or incontinence if they had a, a really severe perineal tear. So. There are so many changes. And then your abdomen, your abdomen gets stretched or abs get a little bit weaker. So all these changes happen. But again, when, you know, after you get home from the hospital, you're, that's it. Like there's no, there's no rehabilitation for you physically, or you're at least not, you know, encouraged to go check in with someone. So when we see women postpartum, typically between four to six weeks postpartum in our clinics, we just kind of do an overall assessment. We check their abdominals. We check any scars that they have on their abdomen or perineum. We check their pelvic floor muscle strength, weakness, prolapse, if they have back pain, hip pain, all of those things, and really just start helping them kind of rehabilitate after giving birth, just like you would after somebody had back surgery or knee surgery. You know, we help them kind of physically recover from those experiences. You want to talk about something not talked about? Pelvic floor. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. Like, like not discussed at all. Well, maybe. I think, like, before having a child, and this just might be my own ignorance, but the only thing I knew about pelvic floor, girl, you better be doing them Kegels. That yeah. was it. That was yeah, literally the only thing I knew. Um, and then you, you have a kid and to hear you like describe all the things that are tied to the pelvic floor, I'm just like, what, where, why aren't we talking about this at all? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, it's amazing because 
you know, I don't know if, you know, um, midwives or OBGYNs are even trained on how to like test the muscles or any of those things. But, you know, that's why I feel like that's, that's our profession. That's our job. Like you don't, we don't have to, they don't even have to know if, if the same way that kind of doulas were just kind of, you know, standard care, if physical therapy after giving birth and even before birth, I mean, we teach women how to do perineal massage, how to like different labor positions, how to relax their pelvic floors to, to give birth and um, how to prepare for a cesarean birth if they're going to have a repeat cesarean. So all of these things that, you know, just aren't really, people just don't know that there is access to that. And so, um, you know, I really hope that in the same way that as maternal health continues to improve, hopefully, that physical therapy starts to be standard care for, for postpartum moms. Because again, there's just very little attention paid to our bodies because we're just in survival mode. And, but then it's a three months later, six months later, 12 months later, and you're like, whoa, I have all these problems. And then you hear, oh, that's just part of being a mom. Welcome to motherhood. And that is not the case. There's definitely um, support and, and treatment for that. Right. And I luckily have an amazing OBGYN. And I now have a, have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And I went for an appointment and I was like telling her, like issues that I was having. And this is what I think like a year and a half after my son was born and keeping it real authentic on this show. I was like, I'm having absolutely the most painful sex. Um, I feel like I'm going to the bathroom and things are not emptying all the way. What is going on? And I'm like, it was like this before with my daughter, but like, it's really bad now. And she did like a check and she's like yeah you actually do have like some scar tissue and I know a public floor therapist let's get you in and I'm like I'm sorry a what it's <laughs> amazing right and I mean I had gone to other OB2ANs and they had done all their checks and they're like all right you're good and then I have someone who tells me after my second kid like actually no and there's a person um who can actually support you with this um and I remember asking her, well, how are they, like, how do you do physical therapy on your pelvic floor? Um, so can you talk about um, maybe just like in brief what therapy actually would look like for someone? Absolutely. I think that that's probably one of the most like mystical things like, well, what is it? So, um, you know, I've had, you know, clients show up in like full workout gear and I'm like, oh, it's not that type of physical therapy. <laughs> you know, like we're not... We're not, you know, like doing aerobics or anything here. So, um, you know, it's internal. So it's internal and external. So the way that you access the pelvic floor muscles is through the vagina or through the rectum. And we typically go through the vagina because it's comfortable. Um, it's, it's um, you can kind of you work with a few more muscles in a certain way. We typically do only a, a rectal assessment if it's like constipation, tailbone pain, um, if in males, we do also see male clients, we'll go, we'll go rectally, obviously, because we can't go vaginally. But um, so what we do is I kind of just like in standing, take a look at their pelvis, like with their clothes on, I just say, are your hips level? Is your pelvis level? Is there any leg length difference? Um, all that jazz. And then I check their abdominal wall when they're lying down. I look for what's called a diastasis recti, which is like an abdominal separation. Um, I'll see if they have any scars on their abdomen from a cesarean birth, a hysterectomy, um, any type of other abdominal surgery. And then um, I'll kind of just see if any of the outside muscles are tight or tense, like their buttocks or their inner thighs. And then to do the pelvic floor assessment, they're lying down on their back. They have a pillow underneath their knees. They're undressed from the waist down and covered up with a sheet. 
Um, and then I do it, you know, through the vagina, I insert a finger and I ask them to kind of squeeze around my finger to see how strong the muscles are. To pr I press on the muscles on the side to see if they're tight or tender. If there's scar tissue, I'll kind of press on the scar tissue to see if it's sensitive. And then that just gives us information about what to work with. If the muscles are tight or tense or there's scar tissue, we need to soften that. If the muscles are weak, then we need to strengthen it. So um, that's why with Kegels, I mean, I feel like our, the, the 90s and early 2000s were all Kegels and Kegels are great for strengthening, but a lot of people don't just have weakness, they have tension. And typically when somebody has pain or difficulty emptying their bladder or constipation, it's tension that they have. So, um, or you can even have urinator leakage and still have tension. So you have to treat the tension first before you do the strengthening or the Kegels. Right, and that was me. I hold tension in my pelvic floor. And she was like, you need to not do Kegels. <laughs> yes. That she is was like, actually, advice. stay away from them. Yay, I love we that. We need to teach you how to relax your pelvic floor. Um, and just learning about like, even when I'm stressed that I carry it not only like in my shoulders, like I normally I'm like, oh, I actually also carry it in my pelvic floor. 100%. Um, and mind blown. Like, yeah. just, you know, so oh, I just, a, a whole another level of care that I'm like, everybody go to a pelvic floor therapist. <laughs> I'm like screaming it everywhere. And I'm like, do you want to see pictures of like me doing my therapy? <laughs> And they're like, no, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> I'm like, you sure? Okay. Um, to me, it's like working with another part of the body. Like, I'm not really into working with feet. I would rather work with pelvic floors than with feet. So to me, it's just like working with a hip or a back. I mean, in my profession, I'm like, this is just, these are other just muscles and tissues. And they're responsible for some pretty important things. So like, let's, let's work on it. Right. Exactly. Um, uh, are you gonna say something, Danny? <laughs> I was gonna ask her how people can get in contact with her. <laughs> so to find one, there's a couple different directories on the internet. And um, so if you go to my webpage, which is the vaginawhisper.com, at the very bottom I have what's called a PT locator. And it's not my um, directory, but I just have links to other directories where you literally just type in your zip code or type in your city and all the physical therapists that are pelvic floor physical therapists um, who have kind of put themselves in the directory will pop up on there. So that's a pretty, just kind of a, a good start. Um, you can also ask an OBGYN or a midwife if you have one, but then I would also ask your friends. I mean, I would just on, on all the mom groups, or if you know anybody, you just say, um, you know, or, you know, any kind of, you know, group of women or, or motherhood groups to say, hey, anybody know a good pelvic floor PT? Because I feel like a word of mouth is the best way to say, hey, this person's really great, or I saw this one and she didn't seem as experienced, or, you know, whatever the case may be, I think you can just get kind of a, a better sense of who the right fit would be. But you offer classes too, right? I do offer classes. So, you know, we actually started doing online classes during COVID because there were so many people not able to attend therapy in person. And we, I wasn't seeing people in person. Um, it had kind of always been something I wanted to do. And you're know, just like, we're all like renovating our houses and cleaning out closets. I finally like was able to get some creative projects done um, with work, but there were a lot of women giving birth and they weren't able to attend childbirth classes. They didn't know if they could have their doulas for support. There was a time where partners were maybe not able to attend. 
So we started at first with doing a pelvic floor preparation for birth class online. And then we did a, a, a postpartum recovery class online. And then we did a postpartum recovery for cesarean birth online. So it was really in response to not people not being able to access in-person care. And now we just kind of, um, we get a lot of requests for certain topics. And, you know, again, a lot of us aren't able to attend um, in-person sessions. A lot of us don't have childcare coverage right now, like maybe we used to. Um, resources are limited, you know, finances are, are um, more limited now. So to be able to, you know, be able to afford physical therapy. So this, this is just a really kind of way to increase the access to this information um, if you're not able to attend in person. Yes, everyone. For <laughs> <a> therapist. <laughs> when in doubt, defect law. I mean, <laughs> I will shout from wherever. It is worth it. It is important. Um, just and it does, and like no matter when you've had your child, like I'm telling everyone, just go. It is. It doesn't matter if you gave birth five decades ago. So um, it's never too late. And, you know, I feel this way about doulas. I'm like, I don't know what I would have done without, I mean, my, the doula I had for my second birth, I'm like, praise her. I mean, she was like helping with plug ducks and giving me breastfeeding advice. And I mean, she raced to the hospital at 2 a.m. to just hold my hand and teach me to breathe. I mean, she was an angel and she has since become a midwife um, and is no longer a doula. But I mean, when I tell people that, about what they need to invest in for their care. I'm like, get a doula, <laughs> get the Ikea crib and get the doula. <laughs> right. Put that on your register. Doula, right. pelvic floor therapist, Ikea crib. <laughs> right. Like, you're set. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, they're not going to be in that crib for six months. Right. You don't even need a crib. Right. You know? <laughs> Here. Here are the things. Um, well, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with listeners? Resources, advice, anything else from your birth that you? No, I think with respect to, oh, so one of the things that I, um, one of the reasons I started the Vagina Whistler was actually during my second pregnancy, which my kids are about 22 months apart, was just because I felt like I was really lucky to be in this field and to have the awareness of um, these are the people on my support team I need, these are the books I need to read, this is the therapist I need to see. And I just didn't understand why like everybody wasn't aware of that. Like why was I the lucky one who just got to to pick the right career and then know that information. So I, you know, one of the reasons I started my account was I just feel like everybody needs access to this information. And so um, there are, a, there's a ton of free information out there. And I just encourage everyone like, if you're going through it, somebody else has gone through it. So I know that we've got some people who are, it, it takes a lot of courage to address those issues, but it's totally worth it. So, you know, give it a shot. You'll never be upset that you went and found out everything was okay. But I would just say, you think you have an issue, listen to your body, listen to your intuition, get it checked out. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. This is wonderful. Thanks for this listening so to Birth important. Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 